We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Welcome in to another edition of the Upper Quartile slash 1% Better. We'll get the name change official. I promise at some point it will change. I'm James Boyd alongside my editor, Jim Aiello. Jim, we're back after another preseason game, joint practices, all that jazz. And I guess I'll start with Anthony Richardson. I was pleasantly impressed with him, I guess, throughout the joint practices, the first one in particular. Had to go underneath a lot to the Bears' defense. Had to take what they gave him. Didn't really force too much. And then, obviously, the letdown from a fan perspective was being at Lucas Oil Stadium, 65,000 fans, and the rookie quarterback is not out there. You know, he's warming up, but he doesn't have a helmet, and he had a visor instead. I kind of think the intro music to this could be like, wah, wah. like it was just like, <laughs> oh, they pulled up, and then, oh, we didn't get to see it. Like, for me, again, like, this is killer because I'm not an indie, and I don't get to watch joint practices, which I know you learned a lot. And you get to see all that. So I was like, cool, preseason game. Like, they, they practice against this team twice. Like, they've seen a lot. I can't wait to watch it. Flip it on. No, Richardson. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> so much as I like watching Gardner Minshew and, you know, some of the other guys, it's just, you know, it was tough. And again, I, I think I am of two minds. Like, I, I, I want to see Anthony Richardson. And I, I said this on the last podcast. Like, I think he needs as many reps as possible. Get him on the field as often as possible. So tip, like, my decision, I let him play. However... He got a lot of valuable reps against the Bears in joint practices. And when the other team comes out, and this has happened, I remember when I was covering the team a couple years ago to Frank Reich, they, that other team said, we're not playing our starters. Frank wanted to play his starters, but it's like, okay, well, if you're not playing yours, I guess I can't really play mine. Like, that doesn't line up. And then I think a secondary thought of this is, okay, I've seen my backup offensive line play, and I don't want my rookie quarterback to die. So maybe we shouldn't do it. So again, I, I think it's defensible, not what I would have preferred. So I do, I guess, I, I guess we can go back to joint practices and I can ask you about that because I got to tell you, I feel like you have a high standard. You have a high threshold for being impressed, which I like, by the way, it's, it's, it's good. So you were impressed by his first day in particular. I know he was very accurate. I know he completed a lot of passes underneath, as you said. And again, that's what Matty Bush's defense is designed to do. It's designed to make you kind of go crazy with trying to be patient. And so you were excited by what you saw or is that is that overstating things no I, I think i was because with ar you're used to the big playability the stuff you can't teach you know that's going to always be there but can you get the other stuff to keep the defense honest because there's going to be like you said certain defenses like the bears that won't allow you to take so many shots or have so many opportunities at big plays but if you you know dink and dunk them and have success by going underneath and taking the intermediate stuff, then eventually you will get your one, two, three shots a game where you might be able to have a big play to Alec Pierce or Michael Pittman Jr. or whoever else. So I think that's the key to his success. Now, he did have a one throw last Wednesday in the uh, 7-7 period where he dropped back. You know, him and Josh Downs weren't exactly on the same page, and I thought, that Josh Downs actually made the right decision because he broke it off to go like to the, to the middle of the field. They're playing too too high safety defense, and Richardson I think wanted to go deep and kind of just slung it, and it was the most errant throw of his you know two days because it just went completely over Josh Downs' head, and it, it was to the point where you know Eddie Jackson picks it e easy pick, and we just know okay there's you know, poor decisions or missed throws, but this was a miss because something was off as far as timing, communication. And so obviously you expect that to get better. But the thing that, you know, and we could talk about it more, me and Rick Venturi talked about it, you know, during that second practice, 
Anthony looks so much more comfortable in actual 11 on 11 football. Seven yeah, on I, seven. That was an interesting part of the story. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, like seven on seven when he can't run and use his legs and, and really utilize the mobility that he's been blessed with, it limits him and it, it kind of forces him to, at least in my opinion, I'm not in his head, but it looks like he's overthinking sometimes. I'm like, man, this guy's holding the ball forever. He's waiting for the perfect throw, waiting for this play to develop. Whereas in 11 on 11, you know, with his pocket awareness, which is really good, by the way, he just plays and the decisions are quicker. Now that doesn't mean they're always right or right on time, but, there's times, and, and I know my guy Stephen Holder got some, some some pushback for this for Wednesday, saying, oh, he struggled today, wasn't his best day, one of the worst days. His seven-on-seven seven period wasn't good. It wasn't good. So when fans or something see, like, oh, he went 15 for 19 and 11 and 11, they're like, oh, he must have had a great day. Yes and no. In 11-on-11, in 11, which is, to me, what matters more because it is real football, as real as it gets during these joint practices, he looked really good. You know, took what the defense gave him, high completion percentage, all of those things. But there are some seven on seven periods where I'm like, what are you doing? Like you might throw it one like in the dirt, or you might hold one forever. And I'm like, that's a sack or hold another one. And I'm like, that's a loss. So those are the things where I'm like, you got to get that internal clock sped up a little bit. But it looks like it's sped up when he plays regular football. And it's almost like when you're learning something, when you have too much to choose from, it makes you, you know what I'm saying? Like it makes you slower to react you know if you're a kid and you go into a, a you know a store a candy store you're going to take forever to pick one candy whereas when he's playing he just 11 11 he looks so smooth and fine with it so i thought i was very impressed with that and then we can get into the second day but that first day jim he looked pretty good and, and obviously i'm grateful that i did pay enough attention to it because you didn't weren't going to see much action that saturday at lucas oil yeah so actually kind of what you're saying kind of kind of calls me back to what you were saying last week about, about Anthony Richardson's kind of lack of, of quarterback training in, in the traditional way that a lot of these guys go like, he probably didn't play as much seven on seven as you know, you go to those seven on seven camps and all the passing drills and all that stuff that you do when you're not playing football. I, Anthony Richardson didn't do a lot of those. So he's probably not as comfortable in seven on sevens. And he does think maybe I got a kind of big game hunt in the seven on sevens versus 11 on 11s where he's just playing football and he's, that's what he's more accustomed to and he's more used to. I've said this a hundred times. So excuse me for repeating myself, but like, one of the biggest things when I finally fell in love with Anthony Richardson, the prospect, was watching his pocket awareness. He is so good at avoiding sacks. It's not just because he's scrambling around. Usually that leads to more sacks and bigger loss yardage. He's so good at knowing where the pressure's coming from, how to go step up and avoid it. And again, it's not just running backwards or running to the side. He steps up into the pocket. Some of that stuff is so natural to him. And, and that's what makes you so excited about him as a quarterback prospect because he doesn't get rattled. You know, you watch guys like Zach Wilson, uh, Baker Mayfield, some of these guys, they had this, they have this instinct to, it's almost like Madden where you just start running backwards. Like they just start like trailing back and you're like, I got to, I'll just buy myself time by keep backpedaling, backpedaling yeah. and throw. And they have big arms to make up for it. So like I, I get it why it probably worked in college and in high school. It doesn't work in the NFL, but Richardson doesn't really have that issue and you don't want to see him get that issue. And what will happen if you, you know, you have a bad offensive line, eventually that might happen. But what he does is, is sidestep pressure or step up in the pocket and avoid pressure. And if they can keep harnessing that and influencing him to do that, that will make him so much better. So it was just one of those things that when you say that, it makes me encouraged because you get to see him all the time. And again, I think you have a high threshold for what you want to see for him as a quarterback. I think there's a lot of expectations being heaped on him right now. A lot of people really excited. And there's like that whole, not that we have to get into this, but there's that whole fantasy community right now that's inflating him because let's be honest, as like a rushing quarterback, he's going to be really good in fantasy. That's kind of pushing him his profile up a little bit more. So I think there's a lot of people really excited about Anthony Richardson. So I like... 
I like talking to you about him because I feel like you have a very like you're like, well, just wait a second now. Let's just wait and see. Like, let, let, let him let him prove it first a little bit. Yeah, because to me, potential is a backhanded compliment. When you have potential, people love it when you reach it and hate it when you don't. So right now he has all the potential in the world. He hasn't played a real game. So people are more inclined to lean. At least I think so. I'm a, I'm a, I feel like I'm a positive person, so I'm not going to lean towards the negative side. But there is that potential to not live up to what he you know, wants to be, no matter how good of a person he is. I know he signed all the autographs after practice that one day, which was really cool. But not to be like rude, it's just reality. A lot of players have done that. A lot of players that haven't panned out have done that, signed autographs and done all the right stuff off the field, been great people. But being a great person, being a great player, don't always align. And, and it's the same way as even being a, a bad person and a good player. So it's just, it's just how it goes sometimes. So I do think he's on the right path. He's making progress. And one of the things we talked about, and then we could talk about this a little bit too, because you're in the Chicago area. Like, Jim, how do you feel about his supporting cast starting out versus a guy like Justin Fields, who he's being compared to when he was starting out? Because to me, it's like night and day what they're doing with you know, Anthony Richardson giving him first team reps, his supporting cast as far as his offensive line, even though it isn't all that great, at least coming off last season. I mean, did you saw that Bears offensive line? You saw what Justin Fields was running away from last year. So how do you feel about the Colts maybe, you know, not hesitating as much as other, you know, teams have done with the with their dual their quarterback? Now, granted, Richardson's the number four pick, so you got to play him pretty much right away, but what do you think of how he has, you know, uh, uh, been brought along so far with Shane Steichen, you know, and the stuff he's been put around him? As you said, time will tell, right? Like time will tell. We're only watching practice and and, and training camp right now in preseason games. But do you answer your question? <laughs> the Colts have a plan. There's a plan in place. Now we don't like the plan. For instance, not playing him in a second preseason game, right? But right. There is a plan. They know what they're doing. Whereas the Bears didn't have. And let's be honest. Like when they drafted Justin Fields. They got a little bit lucky. They got a little bit lucky that he fell and that they were able to trade up from 20 to, I think, 12 to go get him Is that or something like that. I think it was that was it. They were right in front of the Colts, by the way. And they went and got Justin Fields, and they didn't really have a plan. They had Andy Dalton there. Matt Nagy was the coach. They were going to run an Andy Dalton offense. He was the starter. That's what they said. And then they finally throw him in there because you have to after your team struggles. You have to throw a first-round pick in there. And they were trying to make him a player that he wasn't, or at least – they were trying to put too much on him too fast. And Matt Nagy has said this afterwards. I'm not saying anything that's that hasn't been said already, but his big issue was that he was like, this is my offense. I'm going to run my offense and I'm going to fit this quarterback into that offense. And that didn't work. It wasn't maybe fields could have eventually gotten there, but he wasn't ready for that right away. He needed a little bit more time. And even Luke Getze last year, that first year where he was the offensive coordinator running some more of the Packers stuff, doing things that are maybe a little bit more advanced that Justin Fields didn't know how to do until after the bye week. And they said, I think they, and I, I think I just heard the stat recently. They, I think they were design runs. I think they were about two and a half to three plays a game before the bye week last year. And then after the bye week, they started going to be, I think it was like seven and a half to eight design runs per game. Again, just leaning into his strengths, but these are boxes that the bears had to check to get Justin Fields back to like equal. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's right. The bear. I mean, the Colts, Aren't, they're already checking these boxes. They hired the coach who knows how to adjust his offense for his quarterback. We've seen it. We see. We saw it happen with Jalen Hurts. That's why we were. I think we were all so excited about the Shane's uh, the Steichen hire paired with Anthony Richardson. That's already there. And then, as you mentioned, now we're getting to a, a coach and an organization that has a plan for their quarterback. So way ahead of the Bears on that. Then, offensive line steps ahead. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, maybe Jonathan Taylor. The weapons far better than anything Justin Fields had to had to work with early. And Fields. I remember like last year going into the year, they had a new GM, Ryan Poles. I was very frustrated as a Bears fan. Like, what? why aren't you surrounding this guy with talent? You're going to get him killed. 
And they did. I mean, he got hurt. And this offseason, they spent a lot of resources on the offensive line, on DJ Moore, on all that stuff. But they made him go through a year of like, hey, man, it's on you. It's on you to kind of get through this season and <laughs> yeah. prove that you also you're the dude without any without a lot of help. Coaches staff eventually helped. They eventually have a plan. They look like they're heading in the right direction. But I got to tell you, like, it looks like I think Fields is on step like three right now. And I honestly think Anthony Richardson's on like step two. He's not that far behind Fields, not in terms of talent or any of that stuff, but just in terms of having the things around you to make you successful. I think there's a lot more going on in Indianapolis that they, that puts them ahead of the Bears, which is, you know, again, I don't think the Colts have been the model organization by any means of the last couple of years. They've been a lot of things they haven't done well so far. But right now, Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, I think they're doing all the things they need to do. I don't know. I mean, again, you're, you're a Chicago guy, too. Does that sound right to you? Did I miss something or what do you think? It sounds right. And I actually had a conversation with Courtney Cronin about this on 107.5 The Fan. And she was saying, yeah, what they're doing is night and day compared to what Justin Fields is doing. And this is someone who's been on the beat and has been following it closely. She's like, yeah, the guys had to prove itself with nothing. And now it feels like a make it or break a year for him, whereas Richardson is just coming in. They're not going to make any sweeping judgments about him as a player in one season. However, it's easier, at least I think so, to judge him because he doesn't have as many excuses, to be honest. I mean, not even excuses, just legit reasons as to why you can't succeed. So I do think the offensive line is a point that you want to make sure it's shored up. We can kind of segue into practice number two with the Bears. What stood out to me was the offensive line was a little bit dinged up. I forget who might have not have been in there. It might have been Will Fries was out, I think, and then Ryan Kelly. Those were those are the two actually. So the right guard, starting center, and it showed. Well, the Bears doesn't. The Bears don't have a great you know pass rush. They actually had the worst pass rush in the league last year, um, which is why I signed Unique and Gakwe and and and, and are freaking out. I think he's like you know a Hall of Famer basically. <laughs> Compared to what they had, man. I mean, and no, and no <laughs> knock on him. He will get you sacks, you know, but I also had to remind a couple of, you know, Bears podcasts. I hopped on. People were asking me questions like there's a reason why the Colts did not bring him back. Like if he was that good, all these teams he's kind of bouncing around from would have kept him for more than one year. But we'll see how that goes. We didn't get the the, the reunion, so to speak, because he didn't practice. So I was I was kind of bummed that, you know, because I want, you know, I, I'm, I'm here for the pettiness. I was like, I want to see Anik Ngakwe, like get a sack on one of the quarterbacks and then yell to like the Colts, you know, defensive people and tell them, hey, you should have kept me or something like that. But it didn't happen that way. But getting back to the point, I thought that Richardson was under pressure a lot more on that second day with a more depleted offensive line. And then also, you know, he was 2-6 passing and 11-on-11. 11 11. Everyone's like, oh, that's not good. But he had three passes and two touchdowns called back, one to Josh Downs and one to Michael Pittman Jr. because of an ineligible man downfield. And so I think that's something, Jim, where they have to get used to having a running quarterback. Because of the stuff they do, it's going to put you in those weird situations where you have to remember, okay, he didn't throw it or he did run it. I can go down the field. I can't go down the field. Those are the things where, you know, you don't have to worry about that last season with Matt Ryan or really any of them, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger or Nick Foles. You don't have to worry about, you know, how far you are downfield and stuff like that. Now you do because they are having a lot of those design runs, read options, RPOs, those types of things that, like you said, are more tailored to Anthony Richardson's strengths. Like they're not trying to fit him into a Peyton Manning style offense. Everything they've done has been built around what he can do well. I mean, even when we didn't see him, and, you know, preseason game number two, it wasn't like Gardner Minshew was going out there doing a bunch of read options and RPOs. I mean, granted, it's all vanilla anyways, but he was doing what Gardner Minshew might succeed and do. And I think Gardner was actually a lot more just straight up about, you know, their differences after they, they announced that Anthony Richardson was the starter. Because once they did that, then it was, 
oh, okay, you know, they asked Gardner about, you know, hey, what do you think about, you know, helping each other? He's like, well, you know, my game's completely different from his game. His game's completely different from mine. And the first time he ever said it just that flatly where it's like, yes, it is completely different. What you guys are doing will not necessarily help each other. You know, you can give advice, but, I mean, there's not much advice he can give on, like, read options and RPOs. But to that point, you know, and we talked – I talked about this with Rick Venturi, and he mentioned, you know, he's very high on Richardson. You know, he, he says, uh, hey, I think we're going to, you know, see greatness at some point. You know, the kid is further along than I thought. But one of the comments that he made and – I believe rings true to a certain extent. We'll see how true it is. But Jim, he was saying a lot of these younger quarterbacks being dual threat athletes, they have roughly half of an offense down already because of so much that's being carried over from like college football to the NFL. Now, obviously the, the level of, of competition is different, but you're not going back to the traditional, you know, pocket passes anytime soon. Pretty much, I I just saw Kenny Pickett highlight the other day, you know, where he like faked the slide and and went in and scored or whatever. But I'm like, wow, this is a guy who you know was a pretty good college quarterback, wasn't great, but he's a starter in the NFL and doing okay because half of the offense is, oh my gosh, this guy might run, and so I think that's a just an element that uh, definitely changes the scales a bit and something that Rick Venturi was really high about with Anthony Richardson. He was saying, I think this kid might be okay just with so much going on, you know, to, to learn because a lot of the RPO, the read options, those things will just come naturally for him. You mentioned this a little bit ago about, about playing against the a Bears defense that's going to sit back in two safeties, two safeties deep and make you check underneath. That's I mean, a lot of defenses are going to play that way in, in the modern NFL. We saw that, you know, it flustered Mahomes and Josh Allen at different times the last couple of years. I think Richardson's going to see a lot of that. The thing that he can do is that th- those read options and those play action fakes if you do enough of that stuff and the running game is, is effective enough, you're going to start seeing those safeties suck up from, from 15 yards to 12 yards to eight yards to all of a sudden you got a safety in the box. And that's when you take those deep shots. And that's what Richardson and Steichen are going to be able to dial up. And they can take advantage of those things. Like you said, those are the things that he could do in college. Those are the things he can do now. I think the best coaches, and it's one of the reasons, I, again, not to go too full bears on this thing, but it's one of the reasons I was so frustrated with a guy like Matt Nagy, who was a good offensive mind in Kansas City, was that he was so determined to fit things into a box. You know, this is my, this is my offense. This is what I run. This is what I know. This is why I was successful. I get all that. I mean, you want to do the things that made you successful, but the most successful coaches adapt. They, they change the way things are. And again, Philadelphia, everybody knows Nick Sirianni from, from Indianapolis here. Not only did they adapt the offense, but you know, Nick gave up, Nick gave up play calling. And so let's give it to somebody else who's a little more familiar in this area of the field, this type of offense. Um, definitely didn't have that RPO background as much as a guy like Shane Steichen did. And they flourished because of it. And again, the offense you saw just took small evolutions every year, willing to take more shots, willing to let trust Jalen Hurts a little bit more, obviously taking advantage of the running skills. Again, I think it's all stuff, you know, Colts fans have heard before, but it is the reason for optimism. It is the reason to feel good about where things are headed because like we, to circle back, there's a plan. They have a plan. They're going to try to take advantage of his strengths and make him again. I think so much about football all professional sports, I think so much of it is about confidence. Some of these guys have incredible amounts of talent, but confidence, man, I, I just feel like when you're, when you, you can see it in players when they're playing with like, I can't lose. I'm going to make this play because I know I can't. You can see the difference in certain players playing with confidence. And if they do the things Anthony Richardson is good at, they do the things that, that he can flourish at, especially early on. He's just going to build on that confidence. He's just going to feel like he's more invincible. That'll lead to some bad throws, but mostly what it's going to lead to is, is him feel like playing better and better and learning more and feeling like he can conquer the NFL. And like Rick Venturi said, like this dude does have greatness in him. 
It's about bringing it out of him. And and can we get that's the part where it's like, it's not a guarantee, you know, it's not like, Hey, you know, push these buttons and you're going to get, you know, this product. That's just not how it works. But I do think, and I say that because when you look at him and you just see him do just certain casual things, like, you know, he takes a ball and just slings it as hard as he can. You know, you're like, okay, maybe have a little bit more touch on that pass. But the fact that it jumped out your hand that, that quickly, with barely even a windup, it's crazy. Now, this is me being selfish, and you know, I don't want the guy to you know get injured, knock on some wood here. But I want to see Richardson just one time, just plant his foot and throw it as far as he can. Because I'm just curious if he can sling it like 80 yards without really, you know, obviously defense and all that. You know, I'm not saying in a real game, but I'm just after practice, you know, or at least when you're warmed up, I just want to see it. Because did, did you see that video where he did that, that jump pass? The jump throw? I was like, my arm would have fallen off my like socket after that. And, my and, arm would be dead if I tried that. And, and yeah, I was like, wow. Like, people don't realize, or maybe they do, oh. how much strength it takes to generate that kind of like power from a throw when you're not planted anymore. You're you're midair and he's chucking it like 50 yards. It's so ridiculous. That's the type of stuff where you're just like, if it clicks, you will have a top five player athlete whatever you want in the nfl so we'll see how it goes i do think he's making strides in the right direction it did sound like shane Sykin was open at least leaning towards the starters playing he said you know i think he said it himself he's like are you he's leaning towards these guys playing absolutely but i've made the decision yet as you all have kind of noticed the listeners out there shane Sykin never says anything before he has to the only time he has ever done that is when he announced i believe it was last week when he said anthony richardson was qb1 so that was it basically because he had to. We can't keep coming to practice and you're giving the guy all the first team reps and you say, oh, it's a competition. But other than that, everything else has been sort of under wraps, sort of, you know, just kind of uh, vague. We do know from players themselves that he's been telling them, don't talk about schemes to the media. Don't don't put anything out there, um, which is fine because, I mean, eventually we'll have to watch these games ourselves and we'll be able to. You'll see it eventually. They're gonna exactly. Have to show the cards at one point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a good point. But one player, we can kind of move on. The one player who did play, in that preseason second game against the Bears was Josh Downs. I was a bit surprised because I was thinking to myself, okay, of all the guys who might need the extra work, I don't think he's one of them, but it was good to see him out there. I mean, for my purposes, obviously I paid attention to the game, more so to Jim Irsay's comments, which we'll get to at the back end of this this, this pod. But we have to. Hey, oh, yeah, <laughs> we have to, right? The update, non-update. But um, with Josh Downs, I, I believe he's, again, someone who, to me, he could be – a catalyst for this offense because he's such a different feel than anybody else. And it seems that he just doesn't care in a sense that I don't care if I'm small or if I'm a rookie, I'm going to make an impact. And you've seen it, whether it's, you know, in Buffalo, whether it's against the bears, whether it's with Gardner Minshew in there, whether it's with Anthony Richardson, he just produces. And I think that goes back to what he did in college where he was one of the most prolific, you know, receivers ever at North Carolina, a basketball school, no less, but he was balling out. And I think that a lot of that has translated to the NFL so far. And the key to me is, can he build some chemistry with Anthony Richardson and they become sort of that tandem? Because to me, if you're looking for a guy who can move the chains, Josh Downs is probably that guy because he can just wiggle free of anything, it seems like. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With Josh Downs, when I watched the tape on him, this is before the Colts drafted him. It's impossible not to fall in love with him when you watch him, I feel like. Because obviously the athlete, the route running, all that stuff is great. And he'll get better at those things too, but he's great. But I think the thing that's impossible to fall in love with is you watch him play. The kid is fearless. Like there is no fear in him going over the middle, going up against linebackers, going up against corners that are bigger than him. He doesn't care. He plays with this reckless abandon that is admirable. It, it actually it scares me. I think it's part of the reason that he fell a little bit in the draft is because the dude is going to get hurt playing maybe the way he plays. I did read in your story, though, he talked about, you know, the, he's already feel, like thinking about how to take hits. He's already thinking about how to turn his body and position his body when he's going over the middle and things he's got. He's, he's smart. Like, you got to think that way. There's a guy in Seattle, Tyler Lockett, small dude. I don't think he's taken a hit in four years. I mean, the guy just like he catches the ball and goes down. Now, you don't want to see that in terms of yak, but like he doesn't take hits and he plays almost every game. You know, he's got it up there. He knows he knows how to extend his career. So, again, I'm not saying Josh Downs should go down as soon as he catches a pass, but I am saying. The fact that he's already thinking about, I have to protect myself over the middle because that's where he's going to live, right? That's where he's going to feast is over the middle. Those RPOs that Anthony Richardson's going to be running, it's going to be, look at the handoff, look at the defensive end, my handing off, my keeping it, throw to, you know, Josh Downs. Like that's like right over the middle, quick slant, eight yards. Like those are going to be, Downs is going to feast on those. Like feast on those because when he sucks those linebackers up with that, with that play action read, that's who he's going to hit. Now there might be other shots downfield or anything, but that's going to be a lot of those plays. It's going to be a quick hitter. Josh Downs. Again, I think you're right. I think that's a guy third down six, third down five, like Josh Downs over the middle, quick, you know, and a guy he's shifty. It's crazy for a guy his size, but that guy is going to fight for extra yardage in terms of just like, hey, he, and again, smart. Is it, if it's first and 10, maybe he takes seven yards and is happy with it. But if it's third and seven and he's at six yards, that guy's going to fight. He's going to fight for that extra yard. Again, I can't help but root for him. I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of his game, I should say. And as a person, it seems like he's just got all the right the right mentality. Yeah, he seems like a really good dude. And again, he he did talk about, hey, I have to make sure that when I go across the middle and a guy hits me, I kind of absorb the momentum and go the other way or making sure they don't get a clean hit on every, you know, or, or which part of my body they're hitting. So if they hit my leg, I'm rolling left or rolling right. And he, I always get reminded when you talk to these guys, you get more in depth about specific parts of the game rather than like the overall outcome. They have PhDs in football. <laughs> so yeah, when they talk about it, it's it's like, oh, wow, this is really high-level stuff. And while he's kind of locked into like this slot position battle with Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah's another one who could probably mentor him and tell him, hey, how are you surviving this league? Because Isaiah's been here a while. You know, he isn't a rookie. He isn't you know second-year guy. He's been here for a few years now. So um, he's someone where – Every single time we see him in practice, he gets, you know, decked or knocked out or, 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 or ran over or something. We're like, how the heck does this guy keep getting back up? Part of it is obviously toughness and, and, your, and your mental makeup. But then part of it is maybe, you know, we see these plays back. It isn't as bad as it looks as far as the hits, because he, he's another guy who tends to avoid or try to avoid those direct hits because you're going to get hit either way. So I think that's an important thing. And they're, they're contending for that, that starting slot receiver spot. And, Shane Steichen, you know, said that, you know, that spot is still kind of up for grabs. He, he said the only significant change or announcement he's made is the QB1. So right now I would still have probably Isaiah Rod, not, not Isaiah Rod, I'm sorry, wrong Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie starting in the slot. And I think he was treated as such because he didn't play 
this preseason game. However, it would not surprise me if Josh Downs starts, you know, nicking at his heels a bit and makes it more of a competition. And quite honestly, it probably would be better off for your rookie quarterback to build chemistry with his rookie receiver who's going to be here for years to come as well. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I think I'd be disappointed if that was the case. I mean, again, I understand it's a veteran. Isaiah McKenzie was probably brought in with certain, I wouldn't say promises, but certain things that, you know, they told him that he could earn or or, or play to. But man, yeah, I'd be disappointed if they didn't start building that chemistry between Richardson and Downs right away. I, I, I mean, tell me if I'm crazy, but like, I just picture the way this offense is functioning. I think it's a long shot. I wouldn't bet on it. But like, Part of me would look at it and think there's a world in which Josh Downs leads this team in catches. Now, it's probably going to be Michael Pittman. Don't get me wrong. But like, there's a world in which Downs is just a guy who's going over the middle catching seven, eight passes a game. And again, Pittman caught 99 passes last year. So I know he catches a lot of uh, third down passes and is a very, very good player. So I'm not, this is again, not supposed to be a knock on Michael Pittman at all. I just think that, I don't know, Josh Downs seems to have, I don't want to read too much into it, but he seems to have good instincts. Like he seems to understand where the soft spots are in zones already. Again, like you said, PhD in football. Now I'm not, He's a rookie still. He's still learning NFL defenses and things like that. But I just, am I crazy to think that there's like a, there's a world or a universe where that could happen? No, I do think he could be like their volume receiver where maybe it isn't as many yards as a Pittman or whatever. But if you're MPJ or if you're Alec Pierce, you probably feel better about that because you're like, wow, now the defense has to account for this guy across the middle. That's one less guy who's going to be able to help um, on my side or over the top. So you'll be able to have more of those jump ball 50 50 balls and and really those down the field throws which they've kind of lacked the last few seasons especially you know just at a consistent level so I think that Pitt's probably very happy to to know that okay the attention is not going to be all on me and I don't have to do every single thing now he can which is why he's a borderline wide receiver one high-end wide receiver two because he can you know he can succeed in the slot he can succeed on the outside he can succeed anywhere pretty much but I do think that his preference is to like any receiver Give me the ball down the field where I, where I can right, make a play right. and get us going. And being a bigger body, you know, 6'3 frame, you know, 6'4 frame where he's a solid dude, he wins a lot of those contested passes. It's just that he didn't get enough of them last year to really do anything with them. I mean, 99, you know, catches and you don't crack a thousand yards lets you know how dink and dunk the offense was last year. And quite honestly, the Colts had one of the worst offenses in football last year. So barring something crazy happening, there really is nowhere but to go but up. I mean, that offense was awful. I mean, I was there. I watched a lot of those games. I mean, they were shut out at Jacksonville. And I remember thinking to myself, because at the time, Jacksonville was not looked at as a playoff team. And, you know, they went on a run at the end of the year to make the playoffs and everyone's high on them this year, as they should be. But at the time, I was like, how did you get shut out against Jacksonville? Just not score at all. And then obviously we saw some of the collapses and things like that. So we'll see how that goes. But I am excited because I think that Josh Downs has shown to me, to be like the most NFL-ready offensive player, offensive rookie that they have. You know, uh, Blake Freeland has been in getting some time. You know, he's had his moments of, of triumph, moments of failure, but Josh has been pretty steady throughout everything. There hasn't been a play where I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Or I'm sure that'll come. I'm sure there'll be a drop or something or maybe a wrong route, whatever the case may be. But he has been very steady, and it seems very studious when it comes to picking up the playbook and things like that. And again, this is Shane Steichen not only working in Anthony Richardson, but doing it with also keeping in mind of what he has around him. So, okay, we want to get Anthony Richardson in rhythm, but we also want to get Josh Downs involved. So let's do something where, like you said, it's an RPO read or a play action read, and you're able to make sure that, hey, your first throw is an easy one. It isn't, you know, pick apart three or four different reads. It's read here, read here, play. 
And I think that's going to be very beneficial for Anthony Richardson going forward. And the question to me is, at least um, right now, as far as <laughs> do I want to go down this route? Let's let's do it. Who will be in his backfield? That is Uh-oh. definitely <laughs> a question. I mean, we could talk about the players themselves all day long, but the player that is the most popular one, at least topic-wise here in Indianapolis, besides Anthony Richardson, is one that hasn't played or practiced and I believe it's 247 days now since Jonathan Taylor has participated in an on-field team activity. The last time he was in an actual game playing for the Colts or doing anything team-related was last December at Minnesota. We all know what happened there. Largest blown lead in NFL history. He got nicked up early in that game and was, it was done for the season, basically. So you heard Jim Irsay's comments. I was in the press box at Lucas Oil Stadium not watching that game when Jim Mercer started talking and recording it from my laptop on YouTube TV. Shout out to YouTube TV. It was interesting, to say the least, because the most viral quote, I believe, from that was, hey, we're happy to drive Jonathan Taylor back. But as you know, Jim, he's not really back. You know, I will say this. Shane Steichen says he's going to travel with the team to Philly. So JT will be in Philly. He should be in Philly starting today. But they have that joint practice tomorrow, Tuesday. He's probably not going to be in that. They're not clearing him. He like him being back with the team doesn't change anything materially because he hasn't practiced at all. And there's been no indication. And I asked point blank, has he been medically cleared? And Shane Steichen is saying, no, he hasn't. So we're still in like this standoff ish, no man's land. Is he hurt? Is he not really hurt? Is he upset? Is he not really upset? Where Jim Mercy is basically saying, oh, you know, things are great. We're going to have him back. He's going to bounce back. And, you know, just got to calm the waters a bit. You think the storm started with you in this tweet? That's on you, man. Like, <laughs> you're the one who who got the waves going. Like, <laughs> like so I, I'm, I, like I said, I, read, I listened to his comments. I read the, your story on it. I think that the one that stood out to me, you know, it is, I know these things are always difficult. I respect anytime people are trying to fight for the position for their families and all those things. And I've been around it so long. I just think that the biggest thing that I preach is just, okay, timing is everything. So I'm reading between the lines here. Pretty much what I think what happened was I think they intended this is my whole read on the situation. They intended on paying him six months ago when 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 Chris Ballard said, Well, you pay your best players, you pay your stars. They hire Shane Sykin, they draft Anthony Richardson, they start to think, hey, like, let's see what this team is before we start handing out new contracts. Like this team wasn't very good last year. We don't know how it's built necessarily. Like we have an idea of what we think we want it to be, but we don't know for sure. And also Jonathan Taylor was a little dinged up last year and not quite himself. So maybe we shouldn't commit to him long-term, which again, I'm not saying I agree with or disagree with. I think this is their reasoning. I think when I read timing is everything, I think that that sounds to me, again, just speculation. Like Jim Mercer told Jonathan Taylor, we're going to pay you, but it's not going to be till after the year. And you play through the year and you show what you can do. We will reward you. And Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion, is probably saying, I don't know if I want to risk that <laughs> without getting paid ahead of time, because I know what running backs go through. And also, you told me six months ago you were probably going to pay me. That didn't really work out so well. So I, this is me reading between the lines. It's just my speculation, but that's kind of how I see this. I don't know. How, we're, I mean, where are the flaws in my thinking here? You could also say, hey, we're going to pay you with the franchise tag next year. So maybe that's JT's way of trying to avoid that. But I think at the end of the day, he's got to show up and play. And I don't know if he does a James Harden in Houston where you just show up and you do nothing and you're you know kind of out of shape and they just – it kind of forces their hand even more. I don't think JT would go that route if he does show up. But the question is when and if does he does he show up? And like I said, I've been beating this drum. The CBA does not 
take kindly to anything that JT wants to do as far as a holdout with one year left on his deal. It just doesn't work that way. So he has to play at some point. But now we're at the point where, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe week one isn't going to be an option because last preseason game is coming up this Thursday in Philly. You get a couple weeks before the season opener, September 10th. But, I mean, how realistic is it to expect a guy who hasn't practiced? I mean, whether he's healthy or not healthy, he hasn't practiced. You know, he hasn't been with the rookie quarterback. He hasn't been with any of these guys. So what are you going to do is just show up the day before the game and say, hey, I'm ready and go out there and play and start. So I don't know how realistic that is, but it definitely is a factor. But I, I will say this for all the fans out there who are kind of like leaning on everything Jim Rose says, I would say don't put too much stock into it just now until you see what JT says. Because he hasn't talked since June. And I got some pushback on this on on this about this on Twitter a couple of fans were like, hey, how do you know? You know, he, he still wants to trade requests. I don't know either way, but I'm saying there has been no public indication that he's willing to rescind the trade request. And that's what I've been saying. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened or he's happy now, whatever. But I mean, just common sense will tell you if the guy was happy or if he wanted to be here, he would just say that. He would just come out and say that. He hasn't said a word. So this is to me, this is Jim Ursay saying what he wants to happen rather than what will happen happen i'll keep that you know monitored and and i won't be in philly this week so i won't be able to tell you know if he's going to practice i'm sure other reporters who are out there will you know say if he's there if he isn't there what hoodie he's wearing if he's you know not practicing whatever (laughs) the case may be but i mean at the end of the day jim we're in the same boat that we were you know a month ago at this point there is no story until he practices talks or gets traded so until that happens I mean, the JT front is basically, again, just keeping track of is he with the team or is he isn't. Now, I'm not saying that that's not significant. You obviously want the guy to be around the team, but he's kind of just been this ghost sort of hanging around the team where there hasn't been much real action on either front. So we're going to get to a point where we get down to the nitty gritty. A decision is going to have to be made either way. And I do think that we're going to start seeing this kind of ramp up as far as the uh, energy around it right now, everything's kind of calm and everyone's kind of playing the game or whatever. And again, I don't know if how hurt he is. If he isn't hurt, if he is, I will say this, he called the surgery a perfect success back in April. And here we are, you know, in August about to be September and he still is, it hasn't been medically cleared. So that's concerning. And if, and I'll just say this, if it is a legitimate injury and he's not ready or he can't play, I can understand why he's trying to like use whatever leverage he can to get paid because it's like, oh, if I come back, they're going to know I'm, I'm not right. But then the Colts have every right to say, no, we're not going to pay you because you're hurt. So we'll see how it go- goes. But I, I mean, that's their, my non-update update, my weekly non-update update on Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. And I guess we'll end it on one guy um, who has been uh, a little dinged up. He had been going strong. is Shaq Leonard. So he got a concussion the way that Shane Sykin phrase it when he's got dinged up. And I'm like, that's a little more than dinged up. It is a brain injury. Just a reminder for what concussions are. To my knowledge, that's that's Shaq's at least his third concussion in the last few seasons. I know he had a really bad one a few years back. Last year, he got a concussion when Zaire Franklin actually accidentally broke his face mask and broke his nose. Then he got one now. Not too concerned about it, at least on my front. He was out there at practice um, after getting injured that Wednesday. Came out there Thursday for practice and, you know, Obviously, with concussions, sometimes you don't want to be around a lot of loud noises and lights and stuff like that. He's not seem to be having, you know, any effects to the point where it's like I'm in pain and for being out here. But it is something to monitor because we know 
as much as you talk about reps, every rep happens for him as well as far as preparation for the season. So are you concerned about it, Jim? Or how do you feel just, you know, is it something where you're just like, okay, maybe this guy just, you know, bounces back this week, gets, you know, those first team reps again in practice or even just shows up in the preseason game. But do you think Shaq should play anymore this preseason or, or are you okay with, hey, just get 100% healthy and then we'll see you at season opener? Yeah, the second one. I'm sorry. I was looking. I'm looking now. I'm trying to find the exact concussion history. I, I know he missed three games in 19. I think he missed two or three games last year. This doesn't account. You know, I'm looking at games missed essentially for concussions, and this doesn't account for preseason injuries like that. So, again, I think you're right. I think it's at least his third concussion. That's definitely concerning. I mean, again, like you said, it's it's brain trauma. Like, let's not understate what it is. It's brain trauma. And, and so that's a problem. Yeah, he's got to deal with. And again, I hope he's okay. But everything with Shaq Leonard is making me, I'm getting more and more worried, I guess. I don't know. I, I Maybe that's alarmist and I don't mean to sound that way. It's just, man, it just feels like this guy can't get right. And I don't, and, and just a little, I mean, it's not, I'm not, not blaming him or anything like that. It's just, I feel bad because it just feels like every time he's on the right track, something else goes wrong. And, and a concussion is like the last thing this guy needs right now. I mean, and this team, again, I think we've talked about a hundred times, like this team is not winning the Super Bowl this year, right? So Shaq Leonard, Get to 100% healthy before you try anything. Like get back to being yourself physically, and then see if you can be the same maniac again. That's that's how I feel about it. Is not that I would advocate for throwing yourself on the field at 80% if they were trying to win a Super Bowl, but it just it's just less pressure, less expectation with this current team the way it's built for Shaq Leonard. Just you've said it before. The guy was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Like let's see if we can get back on that by making sure that you are just. A hundred percent. I actually feel the same way about Jonathan Taylor, not the hall of fame trajectory thing, but like if I'm trying to get paid, I'm trying to get more money and all that stuff. If I'm 99.9% healthy, I'm sitting out because I want to be a hundred percent healthy. Like I feel the same way about Shaq though, for different reasons. It's not about money. It's just about his health, making sure that he's himself again, because man, this guy just like it's setback after setback after setback. And so I just want for him to finally feel like himself and then, and then we'll see what happens. So the cards fall where they may. Absolutely. So that's it for this episode. I'll have some feature stories this week, some other things I'm working on. Like I said, I'm not going to be in Philly. So I'll be watching Thursday's preseason finale from home on Amazon Prime. Um, the last time I was covering a Thursday night game, it was in Denver and it was unique Ooh, to say the least. A great game. <laughs> unique to the least. So um, stay tuned. Make sure you check out all of our work at theathletic.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch up with you next time.